Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Welcome back to yet another episode of All the Hard Things. I am really excited to bring this guest to you today. Today I have Grace. Grace is somebody who's always been such a wonderful supporter of me, and I'm really excited to actually get to be just kind of on the other side, like actually just sit here kind of in awe of your stories, and it's just so inspiring and it helps keep me accountable myself. So as much as you guys love these stories of real life accounts of OCD and anxiety, I love them too. So I'm super excited to talk with Grace today. We're going to talk a lot about the overlap of trauma and OCD, which I know can be so tricky for people and it's a legitimate stressor, a legitimate source of confusion. So hopefully we get to talk about that today. Um, just talking about finding the right therapist, kind of recovery in general. So Grace, I'm so excited that you're here. Why don't you tell us just first a little bit about your story and kind of how things maybe started for you and how you got to this point? Loaded question, I know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your inter introduction. That was so sweet. So um I was diagnosed with OCD in January of 22, 2022. So it was um, still kind of recent. Um, my diagnosis is a bit strange because I actually did not suspect that I had OCD. It was something that was never really on my radar. So what happened was I was um, in counseling for um, a separate issue. It was a one-off kind of um, trauma. And we were doing um, a lot of trauma work. Things were getting better in that aspect. But I still had what I kind of described as really, really strong anxiety. Um, my therapist at the time um, definitely picked up on a lot of the things. I was doing a lot of um, checking behaviors. And there was kind of, you know, some hypervigilance, things like that. And she really um, kind of motivated me to talk to um, a psychiatrist. Um, she didn't really say why. She just thought it would be a good idea. I ended up getting a psychiatry appointment fairly soon, um, which I was diagnosed with OCD. Um, at the time, I had no idea what OCD really was. I kind of knew it as the um, what you see in the media, kind of like the hand washing, those stereotypes. So I had no idea what OCD was when I was first diagnosed. So um, it was a lot of a lot of kind of researching and getting to know what OCD is. But that's kind of a bit how it started and how I found you and your content. I'm so glad um, that's that had to have been such a strange experience. I mean, so many people, I feel like it's all over the place, but what we hear about so often is like, I knew that I had something going on. Like I knew that it was OCD and like, they kind of have to fight and really advocate for this diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And it's very vindicating obviously when they receive that, but because they tend to not have the best therapists or, you know, therapists who aren't specialized or whatever, 
they mm-hmm. are under the rug for so long and they just go under the radar. So what was that like for you to like totally unexpectedly have the psychiatrist tell you that you have OCD? Um, it was first, it was a bit scary. Um, I didn't agree with the diagnosis again, because I really didn't know what OCD was. Now, if you were to ask me if I think that, um, diagnosis is correct, I mean, I'm very much kind of check all the boxes of typical OCD. So, um, I was a bit confused with the diagnosis and I didn't want to get too into like spiraling and Googling like crazy. Um, so I just kind of followed the, uh, doctor's advice and I was, I was, um, started on medication kind of right away. Um, I'm very thankful, thankful that that worked fast. And then I was just kind of, you know, gradually researching stuff and finding kind of the best treatment for me. Mm-hmm. Well, good move by your therapist. What do you think she, or the therapist noticed? Um, <laughs> in hindsight you're like okay yeah that's now that I actually know what OCD is that's kind of maybe what my therapist had picked up on Mm -hmm. so I had a few and they were all kind of um I've always struggled with intrusive thoughts that wasn't something I really verbalized to her um or ever talked about too much but things were getting better with kind of the trauma aspect but then I would still have these kind of worries and a lot of it centered around harm So I would be scared that um, I'd be driving my car. And if I were to pass a biker, I would think that I hit that biker and, you know, have to stop, check, make sure. And then there was also um, I was really kind of overly concerned with other people's um, kind of mental health. And I would get really scared that someone in my family might hurt themselves. So I would have to stay up and kind of check on them throughout the night to make sure that they were okay. Mm-hmm. And we don't often hear about that, right? We mm-hmm. hear about contamination and needing things to be perfect. And, um, you know, those kind of more conventional manifestations and those things definitely happen. I don't want to take away from it, but it's obviously case in point, right? Like you mm-hmm. have the context to know. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. So what, what, what happened after that? So you meet with the psychiatrist, you kind of like swallow and kind of get used to and process this idea And that had to have been confusing too, like just kind of how did trauma and that kind of work with ERP, with OCD come together? Like what was the next steps for you? What did that look like? Yeah. So um, like I said, I got started on medication fairly quickly. Um, I was very, very hesitant to start on medication because I thought it was going to kill me. So um, I was very hesitant to start. But once that started, um, my treatment with my therapist shifted from kind of more of that trauma work narrative therapy to um, ERP um, therapy. And I did that for um, a little bit. And then my therapist, which I'm very um, thankful she did this, she said, you know, um, OCD isn't really something she specializes in. Um, you know, I was seeing her because of the trauma. So I ended up uh, finding a new therapist and doing ERP with her. And it's been over a year now. Mm -hmm. So what has your experience been doing that? Like I, I, from the people that I've worked with, right? Like they have this overlap of OCD and trauma and it almost kind of seesaws. It's like when they work on the ERP stuff or when Mm -hmm. they work on the OCD the exposure and response prevention, some of the trauma stuff can get exacerbated or vice versa. And it's very difficult, but there's a lot of overlap too, right? Like there's a lot of overlap of having to 
you know, reduce that avoidance, reduce those safety mm-hmm. behaviors, push yourself outside of your comfort zone for the sake of realizing that you're actually not in danger right now, even though it's for sure. Are. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, talk to us about that overlap. And personally for you, feel free. You don't have to go into super detail about the trauma if you don't want to, but like that, that overlap is so real for people. So talk to us about how they just interplay with each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think kind of after the trauma and when I wasn't necessarily, um, you know, receiving treatment for it, there was kind of some things that maybe looked like OCD behavior, but it was totally just related to the trauma. So things like hypervigilance, it wasn't, um, I wasn't doing that just because I thought something bad was going to happen. It was because I was genuinely concerned for my safety. Right. So once I kind of got, um, you know, I did some more healing and stuff from the trauma. That's when I really started focusing on the OCD work. So I worked on them completely separate. I, you know, took care of the trauma piece and then went into ERP work after. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned that like some of your symptoms almost like kind of mimicked OCD, like you had Mm -hmm. said about the hypervigilance. Um, Mm -hmm. That can be really tricky for people. I know um, just from like a professional standpoint, I know how I might go about deciphering, like, well, is that more related to trauma? Is that more related to OCD? But how can you, like as someone with lived experience who has been in the trenches with this really difficult overlap, mm-hmm. how do you kind of determine like, oh no, I'm actually just really concerned. Like that's not actually this kind of like bizarre out of proportion concern. Like I'm actually really legitimately concerned for my safety. Mm-hmm. How do you determine like what's trauma and what's not? That's one of the most common questions that I get. For sure. So with my kind of OCD, I've always been very, um, I've had good insight in knowing that my thoughts are not true. And I, you know, didn't know why I was having these thoughts. So when I was kind of getting these OCD thoughts, maybe telling me to check to make sure the doors are locked or things like that, it would be, I would get kind of the certain feeling like I need to do it right now. There was a big sense of urgency Whereas when it was kind of trauma uh, reminders and trauma hypervigilance, it wasn't like that kind of all or nothing thinking, if I don't do this, then X, Y, and Z is going to happen. It was more, you know what, I need to do this because of my safety. So it was less of that kind of magical thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And for some people who, I mean, it's so good that you had that insight. For some people though, they get so enveloped, like, Mm-hmm. I don't, I actually don't know if I hit someone like I, I really feel like I could have, I really feel like I did. So it can be just awful. It can be absolutely mm-hmm. awful. So, so again, good thing that your therapist knew kind of what could be going on even more respect to them for knowing that they didn't have this specialty in it. And so mm-hmm. that's really, really great. Um, mm-hmm. So you were diagnosed when you were 22, but yeah. looking back, it had kind of been something that you were struggling with your whole life, you had said. And mm-hmm. I, I find that that happens a lot. Um, and that was the case for me too. I was diagnosed after I had my son um, back in 2018. But looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, I used to like do things in threes all the time so that one mm-hmm. of the cancer brothers didn't die. Like I used to have to tie my shoes a certain way. So my dog didn't die. Like Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about death since I was born pretty much. Like you don't, it's kind of like sad in a way to look back at different things, but it also is kind of 
I don't know, like there's some type of resolution and clarity that comes from that for me, like that it's not actually my son that is the problem or like my relationship mm-hmm. with my son that is the problem. Mm-hmm. It's the way that my brain processes doubt. It's the way that my brain hyperfixates on these things. So what was it like for you to look back and kind of be able to put the pieces together? What pieces did you put together and what were some things that you have done throughout your life that might have been kind of indicative of laying the groundwork for OCD and anxiety? For sure. So I can actually remember kind of like my first real intrusive thoughts. So growing up, uh, my family, we weren't super religious, but we would go to church every Sunday. And I remember I would be sitting at church and I would always get this thought, like, what if I just stood up right now and started like inappropriately dancing on the altar? And then it would kind of spiral to me thinking, oh, well, because I thought that that means, you know, Um, God can hear that and I'm sitting and it would just kind of spiral and spiral and I would end up um, kind of, you know, having a panic attack and I would, um, I was the kind of the person that would faint in church. So I would end up actually fainting because I was thinking of all these, you know, crazy things, these what ifs. So that was my very first kind of um, intrusive thoughts that I really remember. And then looking back, I kind of always had um, definitely... There was a period of time, and I don't know if you remember when the swine flu was kind of a big thing, but um, it wasn't nearly like it was with uh, COVID, but I was super, super, um, you know, freaked out that I was going to develop swine flu and I ended up needing to take my temperature every day. Um, I wouldn't let myself leave if my temperature wasn't taken. And I was like eight or nine at this time. So there was a lot of kind of things like that. Looking back, um, like you said, it is kind of sad in a way, but I'm really thankful now for the diagnosis because it's given me, you know, kind of an explanation to all these thoughts. Like you were saying, you know, with your son, it's not just your son. It's just how your brain is. So it was really, it's it's nice now to kind of look back at things that, you know, I didn't understand when I was younger, but now I can kind of put the words to it and understand it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a powerful, like mixed emotion type of experience mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, you had mentioned more so like dealing, I don't I don't know if you're referencing like kind of nowadays or like back in 22 um, or maybe mm-hmm. both, but you had mentioned a lot of like harm stuff, right? Just like being very mm-hmm. vigilant for if you had hurt someone or, you know, other people's kind of, you know, just physical states and whatnot. I'm curious if there are any other ways, because it seems like what you dealt with back then, like swine flu, right? Like a little bit of contamination <laughs> or health stuff. For right? sure. So I'm curious now that you have so much more context for what OCD is and how it can show up, like in what other ways have you seen it come up? Mm-hmm. So I would say kind of like for a lot of people, my themes have shifted throughout the year for sure. But I would say kind of harm has always been um, consistently there. And it's always been um, a lot of intrusive thoughts, um, mostly saying, you know, what if I did, if I murdered this person and don't remember, or if I, you know, sexually assaulted someone and I don't remember. Um, And then it would be kind of a lot of going back in my mind and trying to replay moments to see if I actually had, you know, done something to this person. So that probably started in like around grade nine or 10. That's when I started really having those thoughts. Um, with trauma, I think it kind of exacerbated those thoughts and you, um, to kind of give you a promo, you did a really good, uh, course on trauma and the overlap with OCD. Um, but with, um, when trauma kind of did happen, 
um, my thoughts were, you know, I was in a more of a ramped up state and those harm, those harm thoughts got a lot worse. I was relating them to my own trauma as well. So things I would have a thought, like, what if I, you know, sexually assaulted or hurted this per hurt this person? Um, and then my brain would think about that is, and, you know, my own experiences with that. And then I would, you know, the trauma part would get triggered and it was kind of just a big mess. What you're hearing sounds kind of a little bit too right up your alley and you haven't checked them out yet. I want you to go after this episode and check out my master classes. No more band-aids for OCD and anxiety. We are going to conquer this thing once and for all together. And yes, with or without a therapist, I have master classes available on my website that start at $27. I am here for you. You can go to my website right now, www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com and click masterclasses. These are all based on evidence-based strategy that works and they are truly the perfect blend of education, motivation, and step-by-step strategies that you can use right away. So again, go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash masterclasses. Two crowd faves, just so you know, are the OCD and anxiety cycle and ERP basics. When you want to learn more about OCD and anxiety, this masterclass is the answer to finally understanding all of your confusing and paralyzing thoughts. By the end of these masterclasses, you are going to feel so much less alone and you'll be like, oh my God, finally someone gets it. So many people who have been in treatment for years took the OCD and anxiety cycle masterclass and told me that they still learned so much. Then we have the ERP basics masterclass. That's for when you're actually ready to take action with OCD and anxiety. And that is ultimately your best starting point. You're going to get all the information that you need to start implementing actionable steps right away. No longer is ERP going to seem like the paradoxical and totally freaking backwards intervention that you probably think it is. It will make so much sense. And by the end of it, you may just be a little bit excited to get started. So head to my website, www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash masterclasses to get started. Yeah, it is truly such a mess. So that was um, a workshop that I did with Dr. Caitlin Pinciotti. Mm-hmm. And, um, fun story. I'm sure you know this, Grace, because you were there, but we worked <laughs> together. Um, we worked together for, I think, a whole entire year and we are really great friends. So anyone out there who is curious about the overlap between trauma and OCD in particular, Dr. Pinciotti is kind of like the reigning expert when it comes to the overlap. She just does tons and tons of research on it. And yeah, I was lucky enough to have her in the past. We did a a really great workshop on like just the overlap of it. And Mm -hmm. even, I mean, it throws everyone off who has that lived experience, but even professionals too, it's like, okay, well, what do we treat this with? You know, what do we Mm -hmm. do these symptoms, so on and so forth. But um, something that I wanted to ask you, about a little bit more was your actual experience, like finding a therapist. So you had mentioned mm-hmm. like had a psychiatrist, you got on medication, but I'm curious, you know, finding the right therapist to work with you on the OCD stuff. There's lots of difficulties, you know, wanting to make sure that you get the right therapist. They might say that they do OCD and ERP therapy, but they might not actually be good at it. So mm-hmm. how did you go about that process of finding and securing a therapist? And what what was your experience like just throughout that process? Mm-hmm. So I um, ended up using, and I don't, I am from Canada, so I don't know if you guys have the same um, platform in the States, but it's called Psychology Today. 
where you can search for um, a practitioner, you can base it on um, certain issues or certain um, diagnoses and see kind of what they specialize in. So I originally started kind of with um, my general area of where I live and looked for um, someone who just specifically specializes in OCD. And there was none in the area that I lived in. So then I started looking into um, online, uh, kind of over the phone uh, treatment. So um, I looked kind of at all practitioners in my province that specialize in OCD. Surprisingly, there was not that much in all of um, Isn't it all terrible? Of... It's like absolutely terrible. <laughs> I was shocked. Yeah. So it ended up giving me maybe five, ten-ish um, practitioners. Um, I ended up connecting um, with quite a few and I, I booked consults for maybe four or five of them just so I could kind of get a feel to what their, one, their personality was like, but two, their experience with treating OCD and what approach that they use. Um, after I was diagnosed, like I said, I, I found your content. So I knew that there was, you know, a right way to do OCD treatment. So I didn't kind of want, um, you know, anyone who didn't really necessarily you know, do ERP or anything like that. So I, I really kind of asked a lot of questions to these therapists. I basically right. interviewed them. Good. <laughs> well, it's sure such a, they... I mean, like, look at all the roadblocks that you had to overcome to get there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you had been struggling for so long, like since you were a child, mm -hmm. right? it never got noticed. Maybe it wasn't as much of an issue until later, but then you were in therapy, luckily. And seriously, that is so like one in a hundred types of chances, right? That you actually mm -hmm. got a therapist who was able one to notice that this unconventional kind of OCD could be more OCD related and then actually be able to say to you that that's not their area of specialty and refer out mm -hmm. like that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, like you go and you find it, you, you know, aren't really able to have a whole ton of options to go. Like you had to go through so many barriers I wish more people did kind of put their therapist through the ringer. It is such an, a personal experience. Like mm -hmm. I remember even myself, I'm a freaking therapist. And for me to actually pick up the phone and call and, you know, set up my own first therapy appointment, it took a lot of courage and it took a lot of for sure. And mm -hmm. like, I, I just feel like I know what it's like to be on the phone for that first initial phone call of making your first therapy appointment and like having hit that rock bottom and like, you deserve it all. Like you deserve it to be like the most amazing experience ever. So when you mm -hmm. finally found someone, what was that like? And yeah, just talk to us about like your first experience. What was it like learning about ERP and all of the things? Tell us about it. Mm -hmm. uh, firstly, it was super, I mean, we kind of talked about this a bit, but very validating to hear, okay, these thoughts that I've been having my whole life, you know, it's not that I'm a bad person, you know, there's a name to this. Um, it doesn't reflect my true values. So that in itself was really kind of nice to hear from a professional saying, no, this is, it's OCD. It's not you. And kind of give me that psychoeducation. Um, learning about ERP, um, I had done my own research as well, but I was super, super on board with the idea and kind of ready to go all in. Um, leading up to my diagnosis, I um, was struggling a lot to the point where I was, I was in grad school and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to stay in school and graduate. And there was just a lot going on. 
So I very much hit rock bottom. So at this point, I was willing to do basically anything, even though it sounded crazy. I was ready to kind of work on it and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems very paradoxical at first, right? Like it literally For sure. goes against everything that your body is telling you to do. It goes against mm-hmm. everything that even other therapists have probably told you to do. Like it exactly. is so paradoxical. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like quicksand. Like you, everything in your body is telling you to fight and to escape and to claw your way out, but that just makes it worse and worse. Exactly. Um, So I don't want to go into too much detail, but what was it like for you to do your first exposure? And you don't have to like tell us the nitty gritty details unless you want to, but that first exposure can be a doozy, Mm -hmm. even if it Mm -hmm. is the easy, like quote unquote, the easier, easiest one, like in Mm -hmm. relation to maybe months later, you do the harder ones, right? If you're doing a more traditional hierarchy, Um, Mm -hmm. but that first exposure can be so hard because you are taking that ultimate leap of faith. Uh, you don't really know what to expect that it's new, it's novel. So take us through like that very first experience of you doing your first exposure. What was that like for you? Yeah. So my first exposure, it was actually, um, it was for a a kind of a checking ritual that I had. So I had a, um, a very specific ritual I would do when I kind of got out of my car to make sure that I had my car keys with me. And then throughout the day, um, many, many, many times a day, I would have to get up out of my seat and make sure that I had my car keys and kind of repeat that ritual. Um, So our first, um, my first exposure was to reduce that ritual and reduce the checking behaviors. And it, it felt like, I mean, it went, like you said, against everything that my body was feeling, everything that my, my brain was feeling, it just felt wrong doing this. And it was, it was pretty distressing at first. Um, But then kind of as days went on and it was getting, you know, a little bit easier, a little bit easier, then it was totally this, you know, feeling of being empowered almost that, you know, I went from not be, I went from not being able to you know, go throughout my day without doing these rituals to now I'm not even thinking about them as much. So it was really, really hard at first, kind of, you know, jumping in that pool of cold water and you're not necessarily used to it yet. But that as time went on, I, you know, I got more used to it and it became, you know, a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the piece and the experience that I have always loved about it. Like there's, that feeling has always been bigger to me than the fear. And like that feeling of like being able to be like, holy shit, I cannot believe that I just did that. Like, oh my gosh. And just like the whole world opens up for you at that point. Like for sure. I mean, I get goosebumps even just thinking about it. Like I love when people have that experience. I love when I have had that experience. Uh, And I feel like we can forget that we get so wrapped up in how scary OCD and anxiety recovery can be, we get so, Mm -hmm. you know, wrapped up in exposures and not doing these safety compulsions. And it's like, that's OCD talking. OCD is so one-sided. Like you have to remember that there's freedom on the other side of this, like Mm -hmm. freedom. Like I always tell people, keep in mind what you're definitely going to gain by doing this process, not Mm -hmm. what you might lose. And so Mm -hmm. like you in that situation, you were probably thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my car keys or I'm going to miss them. This feels so wrong. Mm -hmm you need to also remember what you're going to gain. You're going to gain the ability to not have to do these freaking rituals for the rest of your life. You're going to gain mental clarity. You're going to gain confidence in yourself. You're going to mm-hmm. gain this like self-efficacy of being able to handle whatever comes your way. And I feel like ERP gets a bad rap sometimes. Like you only 
think about or hear about the bad stuff. And it's like, no, there's this amazing feeling of empowerment that comes afterwards. And it's incredible. For sure. And I was kind of, like I said, at that point in my life, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to finish school. So I, I really kind of had to think to myself, like, do I want to live like this forever? Or do I just need to, you know, do these exposures, get through them, be uncomfortable for a while, but then the long-term payoff is a lot greater. Yeah. So I kind of had to think like that. There's, um, when it comes to doing compulsions, right, there's this instant gratification, at least Mm -hmm. initially, maybe it wears off at some point, but there's this instant gratification of like, okay, my car keys are there. Or, you know, I didn't hit that person when it comes For to sure. this recovery work, you don't have that instant gratification. Like you really have to retrain yourself to be in it for the long-term benefit, which is hard when you are so wired to be caught mm-hmm. up in that instant gratification. Um, For sure. You mentioned, obviously there's like such a transformation personally that happens throughout this whole entire process. When you mm-hmm. first were diagnosed, there was obviously this grieving part. There was this just the legitimate and logistical battle of having to figure out your next steps with therapy. You mentioned that you were almost kind of like grieving who you were before Mm -hmm. this, but throughout treatment, you had been kind of wanting to reinvent yourself and find this new and improved version of yourself. I Mm -hmm. would love for you to talk to us about kind of the more positive things that you've learned about yourself throughout treatment, because the number one thing, well, I hear a lot of things, but one of the most common things that I hear from people is like, I just want to get back to the way that things were. I just want to go back to the way that things were before my brain broke or before I started mm-hmm. having OCD. And it's like, that's a, the equivalent to me of all of these moms who have a baby. And they say like, I just want to get my, my body back. I just want to get my body back. It's like one, yep. you're never going to like, you are mm-hmm. never going to be that same person. Like you're not like, let's just accept it. You are different. You're different every day. Right. Like, so to go mm-hmm. and, and secondly, like I'm just along the lines of like the maternal, like postpartum analogy here. Like I'm mm-hmm. in really better shape than I ever was before I had a baby. So like, why go back? Right. Why go mm-hmm. back? You can always go forward as cliche as it sounds. So as much as people always say, I want to go back to the way that things were, I just wish that I could go back and go back and go back to before that is a very self-limiting kind of trajectory. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about what you've learned throughout this whole entire process and how just how it's been an overall kind of very positive transformation for you. For sure. So I'll definitely say it, it was hard in the beginning and it wasn't super positive. And I definitely relate to the people saying, you know, I wish I could go back to the day where, you know, my brain wasn't broken. Totally, totally get that. And I, I was thinking that way for a long time, but like you said, it, it wasn't really doing anything for me at the end of the day. I have OCD. I have this disorder. You know, I'm now learning to live my life with it. So, um, I definitely found a lot of kind of positive things in that recovery were able to give that recovery was able to give to me. And I actually started like a running list on my phone of just small bullet point things that recovery has given me simple things like being able to drive to and from work without stopping or, um, maybe kind of bigger things like going on vacations and going on trips. So I was able to kind of focus on all the things that, you know, recovery has given to me, not what OCD has taken away. And I kind of shift my think, shift my thinking to that mindset. 
as well as kind of thinking about, you know, how it shaped me as a person. I have, you know, now I've been through kind of the ringer with OCD. I've been through it, but it also, you know, gives me the ability to relate to people better, you know, be more empathetic, um, things like that. So kind of had to switch my thinking for sure. Yeah. Have you ever heard, you're like one of my amazing loyal followers. So you've probably (laughs) heard me with this analogy. Have you ever heard my crayon analogy before? Your crayon? My crayon analogy. No. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is like my best analogy ever. And I keep saying that I'm going to like make a reel about it before someone else copies me, but I just haven't yet. But anyway, (laughs) so I think that OCD that our brains, you know, people who have OCD, who are vulnerable Mm -hmm. to, you know, anxiety or or mental health conditions, whatever, our brains are kind of like a box of crayons. So um, whereas other people who don't necessarily have OCD and these kind of like spectrum of thoughts and this creativity of thought, they're rocking like a 10 pack, basic pack of crayons. Like Mm -hmm. my husband, for instance, he just thinks about the basic stuff. Like what does Eli need for school? Uh, what mm-hmm. time do we need to drop him off for school? What time do we need to pick him up? Blah, 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 blah. Right. Like basic 10 pack count of crayons. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying like, as far as intelligence or IQ or whatever, I'm just saying like, in terms of creativity of thought, like it, it he thinks about the mm-hmm. basics. that's it. When you have OCD and anxiety, you're rocking like 120 count box of crayons. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more creativity there. Right. For sure. OCD and anxiety, we tend to focus on the dark colors. We tend to focus Mm -hmm. on like the scary reds and we focus on the gloomy grays and the deep, dark, lonely blues and the, you know, the gross, disgusting greens. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we feel like, oh my gosh, OCD is awful. And it is awful. It's terrible. Like this isn't Mm -hmm. to take away from that. Um, But our brains are also like you said, right? Like we also have these other amazing colors in our crayon box, like lavender and flamingo pink and chlorine Mm -hmm. blue and macaroni and cheese orange. Like I, like you said, you are able to relate to people more. You're able to be more appreciative for the small things that other people Mm -hmm. take for granted. For me, I think that I am a really good educator. Like I'm a really good speaker and I feel like I'm able to really nail the experience of what OCD and anxiety is for people, which is hard to do. I for sure always very creative when it comes to birthday presents and surprises. Like (laughs) I get the best surprises and the best birthday presents ever because I'm just a very thoughtful, creative person like that. Mm -hmm. Good when it comes to art. Like I pick up new art and new hobbies very easily. Mm -hmm. That is my brain. For it sure. Has dark, it has the gross, it has the scary, but it also has so much of the good. And mm-hmm. not to say that we can't use those dark colors in a way to like, that they don't have to take over the whole kind of palette. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think just sometimes we forget that our brains, it's not just the bad, like we, yes, the bad stuff sucks and it's awful. And we can definitely leverage that and make it less impactful in our life, but don't forget mm-hmm. about the good parts of your brain too. Like your brain is not broken. And mm-hmm. just by you saying that, like you can relate to people more and you're so creative, like that's what made me think about it. For sure. I love that. No, I have not heard you use that. I'm surprised. It's really good. It's really I love good. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm biased. You know, that's okay. Um, so, oh my gosh, 
ending on a really, really good note here. I had some other things that I wanted to ask, but oh my gosh, that was just a really good place to, to like, I just love the transformation aspect of it. I think that's for sure. It's really missing for people. I think that's mm-hmm. the piece that people need to hang out hope for. Like that is what this process is all about. Um, yes, for sure. What advice would you give to people who are kind of like teetering on the edge? Maybe they're like at the beginning of their treatment. They like are pretty sure that they maybe have OCD, but they're really scared to take those steps. What would you tell them? Oh, loaded question. Ah. (laughs) No, I love that though. I would, I would really be thinking about what has, like, what have you lost to OCD? For me, like I said, it was I almost couldn't finish school. I wasn't sure if I would be able to work. And it was like, can I live the rest of my life giving into OCD and let it take over? Or do I need to kind of, you know, figure, get get the help that I deserve and kind of figure how to live my life with OCD. So I would kind of look at the things that maybe, you know, you're missing, you're missing out on because of your OCD and think of, you know, the things that you want to do and you're capable of doing and kind of go from that point. Um, as for finding kind of, um, a therapist, definitely, definitely recommend, um, a therapist that specializes in OCD. Like we mentioned, it's very hard to come by surprisingly. So, um, content like Jenna's has been absolutely, um, monumental to my recovery journey journey. And I recommend that to, you know, anyone starting out as well. Oh, monumental. That's like a very <laughs> big word. Like I feel that. That's so nice. I'm so no, happy. It's that, true. <laughs> I'm so happy that I, and I think it just goes to show. I was just talking to someone earlier today about like social media can suck a lot of the time, but you know, it's for good a lot of things too. So Oh, for um, sure. Grace, that was such great advice to end on. I love like the personal aspect of it, but also like the logistical piece of how important it is to be working with a therapist and not Mm -hmm. just somebody who says that they do OCD or ERP work. Like this is your permission slip to interrogate them and interview them. Like own (laughs) your therapy experience. Like don't just do things because your therapist tells you to do it. Like own the work that you do, own it. Mm -hmm is the rest of your life and it's really important and it can absolutely transform you and change you the way that it has for both me and for grace like you're hearing so grace thank you so much for being here this is going to help so many people thank you so much for having me on I appreciate it Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.